Blog Talk Radio. Healthy and Tone Radio with your host, Darren Batman McDuck. And now, prepare to get fat. Hey, hey, what's cracking? Welcome back to another episode of Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio. I'm your host, Darren McDuffie, alias Fat Man, because I want you to be perfectly healthy and tone. Another good show tonight. We did a show Monday night. Um, Hopefully you tuned in. If you haven't tuned in live, maybe you're listening through iTunes or Stitcher or uh, some other um, outlet there. But we did a really good show with Dina Rose. It was called It's Not About the Broccoli, all about getting your kids to eat healthy. And a lot of things, uh, I read the book. I was very surprised by some of the strategies that Dina used to help parents to get their kids to eat a little bit more healthy. And some of the stuff was rather eye-opening. I know that she wasn't against candy and donuts or, or anything like that. So if you have a child and you're trying to get them to eat more healthy, or if you know someone who is trying to get their child to eat a little bit more healthy, you may want to take some time to uh, listen to that show. Uh, me and Dino had a little bit of banter going on, but she went to Duke, and I'm a North Carolina Tar Heels fan, so I didn't hold that against her. But go back and check out that show. It's not about the broccoli. Um, tonight we have Reed Davis on the show, who is the founder of the Functional Diagnostic Nutrition Program, and we'll be talking to Reed here in a few. But before I get to Reed and start reading his bio and get him on, just wanted to give you a, remind, um, a reminder of a show that's coming up this coming Monday. It's called Soul Speak, the language of your body. I'm going to be interviewing Julia Cannon about emotions and how emotion starts illness in the body and how to start listening to your body. Uh, if something's wrong with your neck, something may be wrong with your foot or, or whatever it is, if you're having back issues, how they can be tied to your emotions. So I'm really excited about that show. So without further ado, let me get to Reed's bio. I previously interviewed Reed for the Wellness Warrior radio show, which I did with Diane Kayser. We no longer do that show. That show is defunct now. But um, I had previously interviewed him um, during that show and wanted to bring him back on to talk a little bit more about the Functional Diagnostic Nutrition Program. And tonight we'll be just getting into a little bit about hormones. But here is Reed's bio. Reed Davis is a certified nutritional therapist and founder of the Functional Diagnostic Nutrition Certification Course. Reed is known as one of the most successful and experienced clinicians in the world today, having provided functional lab assessments to over 10,000 clients for hormone levels, bone density testing, adrenal function, digestive problems, immune system and detoxification issues, and many related health problems. His whole health system and natural protocols are now known the world over and help, have helped thousands of people to regain normal function and health. Reed has served as health director and case manager at the Better Health and Wellness Center in, I um, hope I'm pronouncing this right, I'm not from uh, California, but Poway, California from over, for over 15 years and now teaches a course in functional lab work and holistic lifestyle coaching with over 2,500 trainees in 50 countries. He is also a clinical advisor at BioHealth Laboratory, where he helps clinicians interpret lab test results and develop natural protocols to restore function instead of just treating the symptoms. And we'll be talking a lot about that tonight. We lives in Southern California, teaching the FDN certification course and helping FDN course graduates build robust private pay practices. Without further ado, Reed Davis, welcome to Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio. How are you tonight? I'm doing fantastic, and thank you so much, Darren, for having me on. I'm really pleased to be here with you again. Thank you. You have the longest bio. I just wanted to, to let you know that. Of, of all the bios I've done on the show, <laughs> you have the longest. And that's not anything to say <laughs> bad, because it, it just goes to show that you have, you know, the credentials. So, um, but I just wanted so, to know. Yeah, you we can. You can bio. always chop up what you want, but I can tell you a lot more. <laughs> Yeah, actually, I wanted you to get into your background because you have a, a unique background because you didn't start off as a health guy. You came from, I believe, um, law or something to that effect. But tell us a little bit more about your background. Oh, sure. Well, thanks so much. I'm really pleased to 
see if we could help somebody tonight or today, whenever you're listening, with something that you don't know already. And I've been in this business, like Darren said, in this field since 1999. Prior to that, I was in environmental law and environmental issues. And, you know, California is really big on that, and I enjoyed that field. But I left the job and decided that instead of working with the environment, just the air and the water and the trees and, and animals and things like that, that I would turn my attention towards how is this affecting people. And so I landed a job. I went back to school and did some nutritional therapy courses and got a certification in nutritional therapy. And I went to work at that wellness center that Darren mentioned, and I quickly became the health director, case manager, who really everyone had to see me. So people were coming in this busy clinic for all kinds of issues And the one thing, Darren, I know you'll understand this, that really frustrated me was that everyone who came in, whatever their problem was, chronic fatigue or fibromyalgia or, you know, we had chiropractic and acupuncture and massage and nutrition. I was a nutrition guy. But no matter what they had going on, it seemed like all of them had already been to four or five practitioners already and had not gotten the kind of results they were looking for. And I determined way back then, you know, before 2000, 1999, 2000, right in that era, that I wanted to be the last person that they had to see. Why have they been to four, five, or six people? And what's the difference? So I started investigating underlying causes and conditions and what was really wrong instead of just treating the symptoms. Now, everyone says that today. Uh, we get to the root cause, and you know, we look at underlying conditions. But you know, I've made a lifelong study of it now and have nailed down a few things in that area. So I got really busy doing that kind of work, and I could go into as much detail as you want, but over a long period of time, I actually ran labs on thousands and thousands of people because I also, besides running the clinic, I had a very busy bone density screening business. Because uh-huh. the shop wasn't opened every day. So I would go out in my off days and I would do bone density testing. And that actually is how I became you know, kind of an expert, if you will, in hormones. At least I've tested more people's hormones than any other single practitioner. Hardly anyone has run as many labs for hormones as me. But the real reason was because I was testing women's bone density. I, I bought a bone density testing machine. And so I was out in the public two days a week every my off days, but I didn't take them off. I went out there and I really worked hard doing bone density testing. And so, you know, those women with the bone density issues, I knew hormones was important and a big part of bone. So I started running hormones and I would help them with their hormones, you know. And then I started running other labs and help them with their digestion and help them with their immune system, help them with detoxification. And there's labs for each one of those things. So I, over a long period of time in running, as you said, thousands and thousands of labs, came up with a system that would help people with just about any issue, any problem. You know, unless they had Ebola virus, then we sent them to the, to the hospital, you know. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, any chronic stress-related disorder uh, that you can think of, uh, there's pretty simple ways to, to get the body to go back to normal when you know which steps to take, where to look, and... Uh, you know what to do with the information you find. Every time you t- you say bone density, I think about that scene in um, Pursuit of Happiness. I don't know if you ever seen that movie with Will Smith, and he's chasing the woman. He has some hippie woman to uh, watch his bone density scanning machine, and then she takes off with the machine. And I just think about that that scene when you you mentioned bone density. But um, yeah, it's so funny. Yeah, Reed, getting into um, the Symptoms, root causes, a lot of people don't know that what that means. I come from the pharma industry where we treated symptoms. <laughs> so um, what actually comes first? Is it the symptoms come first, or is that just the tip of the iceberg? You know, that's a great question. And, you know, to me, after so many years, I, I think I do think it's kind of obvious, but maybe not to everybody, you know. Symptoms are actually the last thing to occur in a disease process. So typically, uh, there's some kind of negative influence. You could call that 
some kind of stressor. Now, I've got a really sophisticated word for you here. We now are calling that a contributor to metabolic chaos. And so there is a way the body's designed to function, but it doesn't always function that way. And it happens on minuscule and remote locations and parts of the physiology of the body. So we just get metabolic chaos. And that's sort of the beginning of things breaking down. Then you, as it progresses, because it is a progressive thing, if you don't remove that negative influence, you may not even be aware of it. And it could go on for years and years and years. And it's wearing you down, wearing you down, creating more and more metabolic chaos. There's actually a cascade. Now, if people, by the way, want to get a pen and paper out, I'll give them a way that they can uh, get a copy of my research on metabolic chaos and and the real way to look at disease. So as this metabolic chaos cascades, obviously dysfunction occurs on some level, dysfunction. So there's negative influence, uh, creates chaos, and then the body eventually will have a dysfunction of some sort. Now it could be on a tissue level, a cellular level, an organ level, an entire system, until the entire organism would be dysfunctional. Now, as dysfunction occurs, we get into, as it advances, we get into what's called disease states where, you know, there's morphology. I mean, things can actually change. You can uh, ruin things. But symptoms will occur somewhere around then. So by the time symptoms occur, you've already been dysfunctional for some time. There's been a negative influence for some time. Again, it just depends on what symptom you're talking about. But it's very interesting how this works. And I have done my homework on this and can show you exactly how it works. That's why I teach a course in it. But symptoms are the last thing to occur. And here's an example of why you know it's true. Pretend for a minute that you take a pill for the symptom. Have you changed anything about the physiology of your body? No, you haven't. So it's going to come back. Unless you can find out where's the malfunction and correct it at that level and sometimes go even deeper than that to the original source of metabolic chaos. What are all the stressors involved? What are all the negative influences or contributors to metabolic chaos? So if you can sort it out at that very deep level and very broad spectrum of influences, by the way, then you can really help a person return to, I'll say, great health. And so, um, and an abundance of health, as you know, I've heard you say this, Darren, it's not just an absence of symptoms. So if if you have no, let's say you suffer from headaches and you don't have one, how you doing? Fine. You know, well, you know, then as soon as you get a headache, you go, oh, no, I'm not fine. I have a headache. And most people only make just enough effort to get rid of the headache. You know, pop a couple pills, stand on their head, get a massage, you know, whatever it is. I mean, you could meditate, lots of cool things to do. But they're really just relief care. They're not really getting to the corrective uh, levels that are possible when you know which, what, where to look and that kind of thing. Yeah, when I heard you speak um, back 2007, 2008, even before I started my own show, it kind of got the ball rolling for me. And I remember one of the things I would always do when I was younger was I would always read these bodybuilding magazines and I would uh, look in those magazines and think that the picture of health would mean rippling muscles and (laughs) the six, you know, the six pack abs. And then I found out later on, some of these people are like, the sickest people that you want to know. They're doing these crash diets. A lot of women aren't having their menstrual cycle. And it's a lot of things that are going on behind the scenes. But yet you're always fooled into thinking that muscles and six packs and being able to stand on your head or whatever it is, is is equivalent to health. And that's not necessarily true. Um, How many people do you see that have that type of the things that we see as esoteric, but underneath mm-hmm. they're actually struggling with with much greater health issues. Well, you know, you, you could say that everyone's got something that they want to improve. So if you 
um, ask anybody, you know, how you doing? I feel feel okay. Well, is there anything about your weight you're looking or feeling that you'd like to improve? Most people are going to find something if they, if they give it a thought, you know. And sometimes you might have to say, if they go, no, I'm fine, I'm good. Well, how's your energy? Oh, well, sometimes it's not so good. How's your sleep? Well, sometimes it's not so good. Well, are you happy with your weight? And, you know, <laughs> so pretty mm-hmm. soon you start to get people opening up to the fact that they're not perfect and that there's always room for improvement. Now, I call that a personal track. You know, my my personal, I'm 62. I'm, I'm still on my personal track. I mean, sometimes even a healthy person can get whacked. You know, I, I went on a cruise in December. I consider myself very healthy, but I got spanked by something. You know, and they they, had, they quarantined me for a whole day on the ship. Like, you know, I just, whatever it was, something just literally hit me at like at midnight. I mean, it started to not feel good. And by morning, I was panicking that I was going to die from throwing up. And, you know, I mean, both ends, you know, kind of a thing. Whatever hit me, hit me hard, hit me fast and it and and i'm a healthy person so no matter what darren we're all going to face these challenges um of the world the way it is the environment the way it is and again i started in that area um and then we have bodies that are designed to take some abuse but not sometimes not that much and oh by the way each of us is uh, endowed, of course, with a kind of a computerized operating system. Our, our cells don't need to be told what to do. There are programs written for all of our cells and organs and systems. But, uh, it, you know, you're coming up against a, a nasty environment, and there are inborn errors in all of us in that metabolism, you know, in, in, our, in our metabolism. And so, and those those inborn errors, I call them weak links. Sometimes I call them vital voids. You know, they're just different in all of us. And and that metabolic individuality is what dictates how you get ill versus how I get ill. You know, the same stressors and contributors to metabolic chaos are affecting all of us. But, you know, you, you, you get migraines, so I get, um, you know, asthma, or you get fibromyalgia and I get chronic fatigue or you know but so it's because we're all individual different we have weak links in metabolism that are inborn and so even though there's an operating system there in each of us that's designed pretty well uh, this is the way it is this is what I've discovered in in my years of of studying and helping people yeah um Let's just talk for a moment about functional diagnostic nutrition and what it actually involves. You mentioned a little while ago that um, it involved lab assessments. And most people, when they think about lab, they think about, I'm going to get, you know, stuck with a needle. They're going to draw blood. And to to some extent, that does happen. But with the FDM program, how do you start testing for hormones? What's the simplest test and and what what does it entail? Oh, yeah, great. Well, if someone has, uh, you know, general complaints, you know, it's always good to check hormones. Now, we don't just check hormones. We'd like to check the immune system, digestion, detoxification systems. You, you know, you have basic pillars of health that all need to be functioning and working in harmony with each other. So a lot of people come actually and they think it's hormonal. It turns out it's not. But pretend for a minute <laughs> that something sounded pretty hormonal, we'd run a saliva test and collect saliva morning, noon, afternoon, and nighttime. Mm-hmm. And sometimes if you wake up in the middle of the night, you could collect another sample then. It could be helpful. And so we look at uh, cortisol, and we look at your steroid hormones, DHEA, and also estrogen and testosterone and progesterone, and we look at the melatonin levels, especially at nighttime or early in the morning if you're waking up and those kind of things. And we get an assessment from, from that information along with your history and your complaints. And it starts there with, with how you're doing mm-hmm. and what are your main complaints and things. But we'll look at hormones. And what we find, this is quite unique or interesting, is that they're out of balance. Well, you know, again, the symptom 
low, you can take some of that. If your estrogen's low, you can take some of that. If your estrogen's high, you can take something to reduce it. If you're, you know, and on and on. So what we do is just dig a little bit deeper in in my world. What you you mentioned, functional diagnostic nutrition or FDN. You know, Mm -hmm. it's just way of thinking, and it's like, well, we don't want to just sell you some supplements to to relieve the symptoms. We want to find out why are these imbalances occurring. And what we find is that stress, and that's a word most people are pretty familiar with, <laughs> but um, it really has an amazing effect on hormones. You know, just ask anyone who's under a lot of stress, and they'll tell you they don't have normal hormones. They may have uh, fatigue. They may have uh, low sex drive. They may have you know, things going on with their thinking or their moods, you know, that are all affected by hormones. And, by the way, many other things are affected by hormones that you don't even think are affected by them, but they are. And so you just start to see the cascade again that uh, is caused when uh, negative influences are chronically assaulting the body. They're assaulting the, the organs and the systems and the tissues, and they will throw... The like hormones are just messengers, basically. They're created by glands, and they get sent throughout the circular. They travel throughout the body via the circulatory system, and that's so that they can reach distant places from the organ uh, from where they came. And so, because there's receptors on all these cells all around the body that need that hormone, that hormone's a messenger that controls physiology and behavior of other. You know, or cells, and tissues, and things, and so you you know we need these messengers to be going around in the right way, in the balanced way, and so when they're you know excessive or missing, then the physiology or behavior will change, usually not in a good way. That's where symptoms come from, and so you know we look that deep. The difference, the, the cortisol. Why do we look at cortisol, and why do we look at DHEA? Well, cortisol is basically your stress hormone. Its main job is to raise blood sugar for energy, and it also enhances uh, adrenaline and, you know, prepares you basically for any challenge. It's, um, again, it's going to raise your blood sugar. It's a painkiller. It's an anti-inflammatory, and it's in and of itself not a bad thing. And so it, it, it rises in response to stress if your organs are working right. But what it does is it creates imbalances. It actually will lower um, its um, antecedent, if you will, which is DHEA. DHEA is the parent of all the sex hormones. So, um, by the way, DHEA is very anabolic. It helps build your body up. And so cortisol, if it's too high in relation to the DHEA, is going to break your body down. Cortisol is a very... Uh, it's a catabolic hormone. It breaks the body down. And you know that because look at people who stress themselves out too much, like on purpose sometimes. Like let's take uh, my favorite people to pick on are long-distance runners <laughs> because they're doing something that's very abnormal and not good for their bodies in the long run, no pun intended. And so here they have these distance runners, and they're – their cortisol is always cranking because they're stressing their bodies out. Remember, cortisol raises blood sugar, which they need for running, and it is an anti-inflammatory and painkiller. Now, to raise blood sugar, it will cannibalize the body. It will, um, again, it's going to go to the liver, get everything stored there, use up all the glucose in the bloodstream, in the liver, and different tissues and organs and things. Then it will actually start to break down your meat, your protein, your muscles. It will break down your muscles in order to uh, create enough energy or raise blood sugar enough to keep you moving. And so, you know, cortisol is very catabolic. And it needs to be balanced with the anabolic steroid hormones, DHEA. And that can't happen when you're under chronic stress. Yeah. With um, cortisol, Reed, uh, when someone has, I had Amir Rosick on the show. I'm sure you're familiar with Amir. He's a FDN as well. And then I had um, Sean Stevenson. And both of them were talking about sleep and just not getting enough sleep and the, the light thing of, of, you know, being in bed at a certain time. 
they mentioned that cortisol levels can rise if you're letting light into your pupils and in the pineal gland at you know a certain time. You're supposed to be in bed nine thirty, ten o'clock at the latest. But I'm wondering if people who don't do that and people who have cortisol issues and where they're having too much cortisol in the blood can that be a catalyst for for diabetes? Well, um, yeah, in a way, of course, you know, mm-hmm. because you're you're messing with your blood sugar and you're going to mm-hmm. affect uh, the pancreas and, and, and insulin. It, that's just one more hormone. You know, when, when I you say the word hormones, people automatically, I think, consider the sex hormones, you know, estrogen and testosterone and progesterone and the right. DHEA maybe and these kind of things. But, uh, you know, every part of the body is connected to every other part of the body and certainly insulin is just one more hormone you know and so you're going to throw a lot of things off based on blood sugar levels mm-hmm. and cortisol problems can turn into blood sugar problems and therefore insulin problems and insulin resistance problems and all these kind of things so they're they're intimately connected take for instance I'll give you an example someone who eats perfectly and yet can't regulate their blood sugar properly. So they might eat, uh, and, and there's a way to eat so that you stabilize your blood sugar. You, it's, it has to do with eating the right amount of protein and good fats and carbs during your meals. If you get that ratio right, the right amount of protein, fat, and carbs, and it's different for different people, but you can get your ratios right and stabilize your blood sugar. And there's people who do that, and it doesn't stabilize their blood sugar. And it's because, you know, carb, metabolism, carb metabolism has been uh, disrupted. It's a, it's dysfunctional, you know, and that has a lot to do with um, people who are uh, hyperinsulinemic. They, they produce too much insulin. So, you know, just the slightest amount of carbs, man, it spikes your insulin, and, you know, it's it's going to drop the blood sugar um and, and these kind of things. So it, it just gets a little bit complicated. I, I work better with a whiteboard, you know. You yeah, know, yeah. My whiteboard, where I can actually show you, but so it might not come across the same without the, the demo, but it's very interesting how it works, and absolutely cortisol levels affect blood sugar, and blood sugar affects cortisol levels, and each one can affect insulin. Yeah. This cortisol, I, I know you said you started out just, basically going out doing bone density tests for women. Does cortisol have any relation to the bone density? Yeah, absolutely. High cortisol will suppress bone formation. Hmm. So, you know, your bones, they aren't um, dry, you know, static, brittle things. They're they're actually, you know, just another kind of tissue, and it remodels itself just like you know, your skin remodels all the time. You, you know, you you just... So bones remodel, too. Now, it happens much slower, but basically the hormones are very effective at regulating bone turnover. And obviously, if you're losing bone, that's okay if you're making up the difference. So if for every uh, molecule of bone that you lose, you replace it, then you'd have stabilized uh, bone density levels. The problem is, is that as we get older, sometimes we do start losing it faster than we're able to build it. And one of the major things that suppresses the building of bone, what it does is it affects the the osteoclast, uh, which is what builds bone. And so there's cells that, that build bone and they're suppressed by cortisol. So stress is bad for your bones. And so is any kind of artificial... Uh, cortisol, like cortisone and these kind of things. Steroidal anti-inflammatories are what destroy bone, I'd say, the fastest. Oh, you're talking about NSAIDs? The, uh, like... Uh... Like pretnisone and these kind of oh, things. Oh, okay. okay. NSAIDs are non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. Right. So it's the steroidal ones. It's it's the stuff that you might breathe for uh, asthma or mm-hmm. put on your skin for uh, severe you know, skin conditions and things like that. So people know, you know, anti-inflammatory, there's steroidals. A lot of people take it for um, inflammation of the gut, too. You know, you, I mean, just giving some of the steroids is pretty much an easy thing to, to do these days. 
for physicians, you know, anytime they have excess inflammation, there's either, you know, there, there's non-steroidal anti-inflammatories and steroidals. Well, steroidals work better. They're very powerful. And they will knock down some inflammation. You know, so that's a good thing for relief. But it has its, ne- you know, it's, it's got its negative effects. So if you're, you know, this is why we try not to give kids anything steroidal. You know, like when they're doing uh, asthma inhalers and things like that, you don't want them on steroidal anti-inflammatories. Yeah. Because their bones are just forming. You know, and it's, it'd be, well, it's just one more thing. Yeah, that'd be chaos because you got kids that are growing and their bones are just forming and you don't want to give them that. Um, in the hormonal uh, hierarchy, I would say you have um, pregnenolone. And um, one of the things that you hear people complain about a lot is fatigue. And I wanted to ask you a little bit about uh, the ph- phenomenon known as uh, pregnenolone steel and how that might relate to that fatigue factor within individuals. You know, it's funny because we, we actually were just talking about that in a way where the um, cortisol mm-hmm. goes up. And so it's going to have to borrow uh, pregnenolone, which is the master of both cortisol pathway and the DHEA or sex hormone pathway. So pregnenolone is a master hormone. It's made from basically cholesterol and some B vitamins, and um, and you. So that's why cholesterol actually is not a totally bad thing. So uh, we make pregnenolone kind of a master hormone. It's made in different uh, organs, and um, then. But if you are really stressed out, or you have a lot of negative influences, stressors that. Pregnenolone is going to shunt more into cortisol pathway, and it kind of leaves the pregnenolone to DHEA sex hormone pathway deficient. That's what the pregnenolone steel is. And so uh, the problem is with it, if it was temporary, it might not be so bad. You know, you shunt, hey, you got stress for a couple of days, you shunt a little pregnenolone, and you, you, it raises your cortisol that helps you deal with the stress. That'd be a good thing. Um, you know, you might be able to go a couple of days and your your DHEA, yeah, you know, it's like, it'll come back, don't worry about it. The problem with today's world is that we're under chronic stress. So it just becomes a way of doing business in the body. You know, and, and then even if you reduce all the stress, that, that pathway is kind of, it's just kind of burned in. You have a preferred, the, the cortisol, or pardon me, the pregnenolone to cortisol becomes a preferred pathway. That's the pregnenolone steel or shunt uh, into cortisol. And um, that's why it takes time to restore function and balance with the hormones because um, if you want to repair it at that level, you got to find out what the stressors are, remove them, and then continue. You can't just remove them because, uh, remember, this has started or at least changed uh, the way things work in your body. You know, so you have to take the time to really um, get back to normal, you know. So it's why I tell, again, runners, I've worked with a lot of athletes, mm-hmm. and, you know, they think if they take a month off of running that their body will go back to normal. And I'll say, no, more like six months, sometimes a year, before it actually returns to normal uh, functions. And you have to do things to kind of prime the pump and coach it up along the way. There's um, supplements you can use to try to get it to go back to normal. And uh, we have great success with that, by the way. So it takes time. You can't just, oh, yeah, well, I quit that job and, you know, I got divorced and I inherited a million dollars. Well, it sounds like stress is gone, right? But you can still be dysfunctioning. Again, you've burned some of this stuff into uh, your very physiology by doing it for so long that it's going to take time to repair yeah, with that pregnenolone steel and its preferred pathway was going into the cortisol, could that be, you mentioned fibromyalgia earlier in the show, and someone who's constantly having that that shunt going on, could that be a reason why they might have that fibromyalgia? Because to me, fibromyalgia is like a, a phantom disease, and I didn't even know, um, I'd heard about it years ago, 
But I didn't know men suffer from that as well. I always thought it was like a female thing, but you're starting to see men suffer from that as well. Could that pregnenolone steal? And I know that's probably a simplistic way of looking at it, but could that be a reason for something like fibromyalgia? I'd say that it's a contributing factor. And mm-hmm. remember, something contributed to the pregnenolone steal. So you're really just kind of looking at a middleman when you're looking at mm-hmm. pregnenolone steel or any of these things. They're not the real root cause. And it, it kind of bothers me now that everyone has borrowed this word root cause. And um, they're really looking at middlemen most of the time in my experience. Like when I really listen to some of these other people, you know, who are doing this work, they're just dealing with the middleman, you know, like like adrenals. You know, or even thyroid, or sometimes even digestion, or what have you. That's just the middleman who's who's taking the blame. And really, the the real metabolic chaos is deeper, and you you have to really know how to identify the contributors to metabolic chaos, all the stressors, and what they've done to your physiology. And there isn't a lot of tests for some of it. Sometimes it's so. Um, uh, obscured, you know, because we don't have a test that you can just put a few drops of blood into a machine and it tells you everything is wrong with the person. We're a hundred years away from that. It might come, you know, it'd be great. Mm-hmm. It's not here now. All we can do now is take what measurements are available with the lab work. And again, I, I think in a hundred years, the lab work we do now will be considered primitive. But we think it's really cool now. And I think I think it is too. But it, all we're looking at are clues about what's dysfunctioning. You have to go through a process to see if you were right. You know, and that's just, that's the deal. So in hindsight, we, and we've learned this, that, you know, we think we're pretty smart and we have identified there are labs that give us clues. And then we have to have each person behave a certain way. You've got to follow the model of behavior and then you know we find out well we're right you know it's it, we can move a case forward until you find the case that it doesn't move forward and that's 20 percent of the people you know there's just not enough lab work to run you you aren't really identifying the real source the true nature of that metabolic chaos because there isn't enough labs that don't and they just don't go deep enough and we, there's so much we don't know about the body. I mean, it's really, a lot of it's quite a mystery. And so, but we know enough with, you know, 80% of the cases that we come across to really move people along and sometimes completely resolve health problems like fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue and hormone imbalances and migraine headaches and sinuses and allergies and moodiness and irritability and, you know, digestive problems and, and on and on and on. They're gone because that person had enough uh, let's say, vitality to be restored, you know, and uh, that we were able to coach up that intelligence of the body, the functions, coach those up with the behavior that I'm talking about, diet, rest, exercise, stress reduction, supplementation, and at the same time, identify enough of the stressors, the contributors to metabolic chaos food sensitivities, parasites, bacteria, funguses, viruses, you know, the other things in the environment, chemicals and, and all this stuff, and, and rem- eliminate those, or reduce exposure to those. Well, so you're, you're, you're balancing that, you know. I mean, here we have our cells and tissues and organs going up against rough stuff that wants to sort of destroy, destroy those cells, tissues, and organs. Yeah. And so we we identify able to identify things on each side of that, remove the bad stuff, coach up function, and see amazing results. Yes, yeah, funny you mention that. I um, have a friend who's a doctor. She's here in South Florida, where I am. And I remember the first time I went over to her house, she pulled out a chart with all the interactions with the hormones, and it was like. It was like a bulletin board, and I'm like, what is that? And she was telling me these are hormones and these are all the interactions, and she's like, this is how you understand the body. I'm like, I don't know if I will ever be able to <laughs> remember, you know, all of that. So it's it's very 
the way well, that we look at the body is very simplistic, but it's a, a a chaotic, what I call a chaotic, or we are a chaotic organism. There's so much going on. I'm sorry, did I cut you off? No, go on. No, yeah. So um, I wanted to ask you about the sex hormones. Everybody seems to have, people are having low libido, and you mentioned that the sex hormones uh, come from DHEA. I hope yes. hopefully I got that, that correct. And I remember people, is it okay to supplement with DHEA? But or should you know your levels first? And how does that work? Because a lot of times, you know, stuff is sold over the counter. And I remember um, just a, a friend of mine was just taking DHA over the counter and she didn't know uh, how it was going to affect her body or anything like that. But is it advisable to do something like that? And how do you approach getting those levels up if your DHEA levels are down? Well, you know, just first got to call it what it is, and that is you're reaching for something in a bottle to make you feel better. Mm-hmm. So that is a, I think it's unfortunate in a way, but, but that's the standard approach is, you know, I'm missing something. Now, a lot of times dysfunction is you're not missing anything. It's you have too much of something else. Like, again, the environment itself can sort of build up on you. It can sneak up, and it can cause dysfunction, and then you think something's missing. You have symptoms. So symptoms are the last thing to occur. And so you go, oh, I, you know, I'm having symptoms of, uh, let's say, low sex hormones, like you mentioned libido and these things. You could also have hot flashes, night sweats. Women could have vaginal dryness. You can have foggy thinking. Memory can go. You could get incontinent. You could just be tearing up all the time, depressed, sleep disturbances, you know. And that's just from one deficiency, like estrogen. Well, what if you have too much? What would that feel like? And same thing with testosterone or progesterone. Or what if, you know, you measure each one and they look okay, uh, individually, but then you look at the ratio between the two, and that's high or low, even if it's when they're... So l- l- these things, not only do you have to have them, but they have to be in the right ratios. And that's why DHEA, by the way, is generally pretty safe, because it's, mm-hmm. it's a hormone that you can take. It's dehydroepiandosterone. That's why we call it DHEA. And you, it will metabolize in your body into estrogen and testosterone, basically speaking, just generally. It's really androstenedione, androstenedione, and testosterone and estrogen and these things. But but if you're a male, it's your body should know it's a male and kind of, you know, it should go into testosterone. And if you're female, you know, it's going to go into testosterone too, but maybe, you know, your body start moving some of it into estrogen and you could balance that out a little bit. So I, I happen to think that both pregnenolone and DHEA which are available over the counter in the U.S. Mm-hmm. are fairly safe in small doses. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all a matter of, um, you know, you could take too much for sure, and you, you don't want to do that. But you know, to help you out temporarily. So if you just realize you're not fixing anything, you're not changing your physiology much, if at all, you're just taking a pill for a symptom, and you know, why not? If you want to feel a little bit better, and that's all you want to do. Knock yourself out, you know. But it's that's not how I work. I mean, not, not. I mean, I'll I'll sometimes recommend things for relief care, but I want to find out what's really wrong and get to that. That's why I run labs, and that's why I have people go through a process. They have to eat right. They have to go to bed on time. They have to exercise. They got to reduce stress in every way that we can identify it. That's why we run food sensitivity tests and bug tests and gut function tests and things. And um, then taking supplements can be much, much more effective. They can, again, sort of coach up functions instead of just giving you relief. And so if you're reducing contributors to metabolic chaos, you know, helping your body out a little bit, um, again, relief care isn't a bad, you know, horrible thing. But if it's all you do, uh, you're not going to fix anything. And you're just going to need more later on. So, and that's another problem with supplements, Darren. People take a little bit. Oh, I feel a little better. They take more, and pretty soon, yeah. you know, 
<laughs> they're yep. taking too much, and now they're really messed up. <laughs> yeah, we have like women. I've seen them grow hair in their face and taking wow. too many of the wrong hormones. Yeah, and like they don't seem have... to like that. Yeah, I'm sorry. But it just seems like we have that um, philosophy where more is better. Like if I'm doing better with this, then let me take a little bit more, then I'll get better twice as quick or something. But um, talking about DHEA, you talked about that, going into testosterone, because there seems to be um, women need testosterone, men need uh, testosterone as well. There seems to be men who are suffering from low testosterone. You have, um, I think, I saw somewhere like a year or two years ago, maybe, where um, the company that made the gel for the uh, to boost your testosterone, yeah. um, there were a lot of lawsuits. Um, so talk a little bit about testosterone and some things that we might do as men to boost our testosterone and then maybe talk a little bit about estrogen because estrogen too much estrogen isn't good and men kind of suffer from that and women suffer from that as well so talk about those two hormones for me please yeah sure well again you know whenever i'm looking at it i want to know uh what what's the causes but stress can again when it when you're shunting if you're into pregnenolone steel and your dhj's low it, it and by the way just high cortisol for any reason does tend to lower dhea and DHA is the parent of testosterone and estrogen and these things. Now, this is true in men and women. You get the low libido. Women, testosterone is uh, another contributor to vaginal dryness if it's low, foggy thinking. And fatigue is really, a, you know, sometimes um, straight up, you know, testosterone. Aches and pains. And, again, we mentioned memory lapses uh, and depression and sleep problems and things like that. If you have a deficiency in testosterone, that could be the case. Now, you don't want excesses either. You can lose hair or you can get excess, excess hair, acne and things like that. Women's voices get lower when they have too much testosterone. Also, oily skin, you know, things like that. Irritability. I mean, too much testosterone definitely will make you kind of irritable. And so, those are generally for both men and women. But with men... We're seeing a lot of what probably could be called early andropause. Hmm. That's kind of like menopause for men. They don't lose the ability to reproduce, but they do get, um, maybe they don't do so much of it. There's Because libido goes down, sexual performance co- can go down, their semen levels do go down, they get hair loss, fatigue, muscle loss, bone loss, things like that. Um, also, this is real obvious, is increased body fat. Um, but you can get you know, worse than that, mood disorders and um, fogginess, um, obesity, you know, and things like that. Those obese people generally have very low testosterone for the most part. But worse than that, now what happens? When you get into a low testosterone, you start gaining weight. Um, you, you get blood sugar problems, you, you, you just cascade. Everything's a cascade. You end up with diabetes or um, problems with your arteries, atherosclerosis, you know. Men can get hot flashes too. They can grow breasts, you know, gynecomastia. Yeah, yeah. Another term for it we won't use on the radio. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, it's not a healthy or good thing. Very unpleasant to have your hormones out of whack. Always a good thing to go back and figure out why, rather than, to me, rather than just put that gel on, because that's got its own problems, you know. That's going to shut down the signaling system to the testicles, you know. Like, that affects your brain and stuff, It's or the organs in the brain, you know, the hypothalamus, the pituitary, and that. So I, I've never thought that was a good idea. Yeah, Reed, I live here in Florida, and one of the things that um, I – I haven't been to the beach lately. It's been kind of cold here. Cold for us is like 50, 60 degrees. But one thing you notice at the beach during the spring and summer months is these guys with these enormous, I call them basketball bellies because I play basketball, but they look like they're like nine nine months pregnant or something. Is that a telltale sign that there's, there's too much uh, estrogen in the body? Well, I'd say it's a combination. It's, it's something's out of balance for sure. I'd say, number one, a lot of that is, uh, you, you have to look, if they are otherwise fairly fit, you know, so like it's not their arms and legs, you know, those are kind of normal, but they just have these bellies. 
you're usually talking about visceral fat. Again, mm-hmm. you kind of have to really look at it. And there's a way you can tell. Like they, they might actually have good musculature otherwise. They might be able to do 100 sit-ups, you know, and, and things like that. So there's this visceral fat that protects the organs on the inside. So it's not um, like just blubber underneath the skin. You know, that's a different thing. That's like when you're really getting into obesity and stuff. But a lot of men who are otherwise fit have this metabolic syndrome, you know, and it includes higher estrogen and lower testosterone, but it also includes insulin resistance and high cortisol levels. You know, they're basically stressed out and they're eating like stressed out. Now, they could actually be exercising, but that there's this thing called the omentum, and you might want to jot that down, folks. Look up omentum, O-M-E-N-T-U-M, omentum, omentum. And that is a almost an organ in itself. It's a layer of fat that surrounds the uh, organs and inside the abdominal cavity. And it actually could go like from about your um, lungs all the way down to the top of your thighs. You know, you see this just crazy amount of interior fat. And it gets its own blood supply. It's got its own nervous system. It actually starts making its own hormones. I mean, it becomes an animal. You know, like living inside. And guess what? It makes you want to feed it. <laughs> like it wants to be fed. That's why people crave stuff and they love their um, alcohol. And wow. then, you know, they, they do alcohol at night and they eat and, eating you know, stuff that kind of feeds it, like raising their blood sugar. It, that puts you in a good mood. But then in the morning, you find you need something to stimulate you to get going. So people on this caffeine in the morning... Like what you ought to notice, Darren, is are those guys all stop in a Starbucks before the game, you know, and then you play, you go ahead and play basketball for a while. But guess what? Then they're going out and having beers afterwards. Mm-hmm. So that's a cycle of, you know, caffeine in the morning or day and then alcohol at night because they need it to relax and slow down and, and maybe fall asleep, hopefully. Like and that's that. called? That's all hormonal stuff. Okay. And it's called Omentum? The Omentum. And it's oh, it's like a weird thing, yeah. It just grows, man. It gets, <laughs> and so yeah. when you see these guys and women, some women, women tend to get more of the just under the skin fat, the blubber and stuff. But 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 they get omentums too that are really big, and oh, it's just it's an ugly thing. I Is mean, when you're okay? looking at it from the inside, Is that know, what, like you know, you look at some of the dissections, you know, like um, you know, we call it autopsies some of these people, it's this thing they have to pull out and get out of the way, you know, before they can actually look at the organs. Is that omentum in women? Is that what they call a pooch, like you see a lot of women with with the uh, pooch belly? No, no, that's that's more like on top of the muscles. The pooch Hmm. comes from having been pregnant for the most part. And Uh I've worked with women, and I want to tell you, they, they have so much skin and a little fat down there underneath the skin and I don't care how many sit-ups you do. You can do a 1,000 sit-ups a day. You're not going to get rid of it. The only way to really get rid of that is surgery. You know, they, that's what tummy tucks are actually good for. I have no problem with people going and getting a tummy tuck if it's just skin, just that, that poochy thing. It's because they had a couple kids, and they got all stretched out, and, you know, there's it's just stretched out skin, and there's some fat accumulating underneath the skin, and you can just go have that removed, you know. And it actually is, I mean, I've had women that were doing everything perfectly and balance their hormones and they're eating right and they're going to bed on time and they do their exercise. Matter of fact, some of them over-exercise. But then they're reducing stress. We've checked for parasites and food sensitivities and all this stuff. And they cannot get rid of that pooch. And you know what? Just, it might cost you a couple grand, but you can go have that removed. Now, that might sound weird coming from a natural health guy. Yeah, um, but I want to assure you that it, it's it's going to be otherwise almost impossible to get rid of a true if we're talking about the same thing, and I think we are. Yeah. But but if it's not that, if it isn't just skin with some fat under it, then yeah, you got to look inside, look at that momentum, and they haven't; those people haven't done all their homework. Yeah, you're gonna make some women out there not want to have kids if they're listening to this. But um, But listen, I mean, you know, that's, 
I mean, everyone should have some kids, you know, I think. But but um, um, that's how we keep the species going, right, brother? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's how we got to keep it going. My uh, last question for you is uh, in relate, and I'm not sure how, actually how to to term this. So I'm going to ask it ask it two ways. Um, do can uh, an imbalancing hormones affect immunity, or is it that our immunity might be affecting our hormones? I, I don't know. I, that's my. The hormones regulate just about everything in your body. So we, we mm-hmm. secrete hormones. They travel through the circulatory system to everywhere, to everywhere, and they control physiology. Now, um, that can include the uh, gut physiology, of course. Like a lot of digestive uh, issues are hormone-related. For instance, cortisol suppresses part of your immune system, which mm-hmm. which drives uh, largely in the gut. So the gut is, if you just look at the gut as being 70 to 80% of your immune system, it can be all shut down by hormones, mm. you know, so and affected by hormones. I mean, you have every kind of hormone traveling through the gut. So, you know, whereas most of your immune system is in the gut because it it's like your second skin, you know, I mean, you're protecting yourself from the outside environment. Your skin does on the outside but it's your gut on the inside that protects you because you're ingesting germs like all the time, like every day, millions. And so you ingest germs. Well, it's that we call it the mucosal barrier. Um, That's your second skin. That's a huge part of your immune system. It's not just the gut. It's like all the other cavities from your nasal, you know, through the esophagus. I mean, the lungs, the digest, the whole digestive tract, including Genitals, you know, they have this mucosal barrier protecting you from stuff, and um, so in the it's you know gut is where a lot of it's we focus on, and the hormones regulate that just like they regulate almost everything else in your body. Yeah, that's it for questions for me, Reed. I I really enjoyed it, man. Um, what I know that I don't have the FDN site. If people are interested in doing the functional diagnostic nutrition program, what's the uh, what's the site? Yeah, well, um, uh, it's functionaldiagnosticnutrition.com. But mm-hmm. um, let me just say to everybody: if you want a special gift, write this number down. It's eight zero two four six seven zero zero five seven. Play it back if you need to hear it again: eight zero two four six seven zero zero five seven. If you text. Use your cell phone. Text the word Darren, and it's D-A-R-R-E-N. That's our host tonight. Text the word Darren to that number, and I'll send you something really cool. It's a, it's my Metabolic Chaos Scorecard, and uh, we'll follow that up with instructions on how to use it and things. But that is a, a gift for you uh, for listening tonight, for putting up with me. <laughs> and otherwise, if you want to know more, just go to functionaldiagnosticnutrition.com, the way it's spelled. And, um, you know, you can learn more about the system that I've been talking about, the way of thinking that I've been talking about. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, man, thank you so much for having me on. That hour went by fast, didn't it? Yeah, it sure did. We got into power. Like I always make questions, and I'm like, I don't know if I have enough questions. But once the conversation gets going, I always think of more questions, so it always works out. And like I said, Reed, I enjoyed it. Uh, thanks for for coming on. All right. Well, I hope we help some folks out. You keep doing the amazing work you're doing, Darren. I support you 100. percent If there's anything I can ever do to help you, let me know. Okay. Thanks. Appreciate it. Have a good All evening. Right, good night. Okay. Good night. All right, so I'm going to repeat those. If you're out there listening and you want to, uh, you're interested in the Functional Diagnostic Nutrition Program, it's functionaldiagnosticnutrition.com. And the number he mentioned was 802-467-0057. And then you just text Darren. And again, that's 802-467-0057. And again, the website is functionaldiagnosticnutrition.com. So, Great show tonight. We got a little bit into hormones, and um, you can always go to Google or somewhere to that effect and uh, 
get a chart. And if you want to follow this, they have a lot of charts and you can follow how the hormones actually work because you need to understand this um, when it comes to your body. And a lot of times we go to the doctor and the doctor's telling us something and we're looking like a deer in the headlights. But if you're going as an educated patient and know what's actually going on, you'll probably be ahead of your doctor. Again, just a reminder for next week's show, actually Monday show with the Julia Cannon, be called Soul Speak, and we'll be talking about the language of the body. That should be another great show. And then Wednesday of next week, um, we'll be having Dr. J.D. Wallach on. Hopefully, um, he'll come on. I know he's real busy, so i got to confirm the show. But he has a, a, a book called Dead Doctors Don't Lie. So, again, it'll be Dead Doctors Don't Lie. So, tune in next week. Same fat time, same fat channel. Peace and love. Good night.